A note. Following advice from work-life imbalance may lead to action being taken by HR, your family, the authorities, or higher powers. Welcome to Work-Life Imbalance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. Our weekly agenda includes addressing some audience questions and taking on a few issues from the internet. But first... Time for the daily stand-up, Derek. <laughs> this is going to be an interesting episode from my perspective because uh, apparently the kids in my building have decided to uh, play this game that I affectionately like to call Hide and Go Scream. Ah, um, yes, where, yes. Where you hear like thump, 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 and then just this blood-curdling scream. And then silence, and then thump, 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 thump blood-curdling scream i don't know whether maybe it's not a game at all maybe maybe it's actually like physical distress going on but like that seems less likely than they started with 20 kids (laughs) so so what you're saying is after a while the problem solves itself after a while it'll it will grow (laughs) quiet Derek. oh i can't wait (laughs) sorry uh, so, I have, I've moved, mm-hmm. I've gotten a new job, and I was going to talk to you today about my commute. Mm-hmm. Which I've heard has been interesting. It fucking sucks, Derek. Like, <laughs> that was, I mean, that was the kind of interesting that I meant. That's normally when we say interesting. That's that's what it means, is that it sucks. Have you driven much in Atlanta, Derek? I have. Uh, in fact, we've talked about it a bit on this podcast. You know, there there are there are some areas of Atlanta that are just should not be inhabited by people. Like like they should stop driving around them. Um, they just need to stop. Any, everybody in in like the perimeter and stuff like that is just completely batshit crazy. So yes. I've spent some amount of time and a decent amount of time bitching about the traffic in Atlanta. See, I've realized that people in Atlanta have the right idea. They kind of go (laughs) at 5 million miles an hour, and really it's just their belief in God that gets them through. They just pray and hold the gas pedal down and hope to get to the other side, which means. Some number of them, of course, will die, but some number of them will get where Where they're they're going. Right. Okay. I can see that. If instead everyone obeys the speed limit and the traffic laws, Derek, Mm -hmm. we all starve to death on the highway. (laughs) Which does not sound fun, if I'm honest. The the other... So, traffic is very slow and very Mm -hmm. bad. Parking is something else entirely around here. I've been in cities before, and parking in Boston was a little nuts. Mm-hmm. In Seattle, I regularly take like Lyft and Uber to go places just because if I were to try and park where I'm going, I might as well park at home. <laughs> And walk. Like, so parking I, is that bad. So, you know, in, in some cities that, have, that where parking is that bad, like, they'll have, like, you know, a lot of public parking decks to where they'll get, like, you know, you know, 10 or 15 floors of of nothing but cars so that people can have some verticality to, to park their car. Uh, do they not do this in Seattle? 
See, Derek, if we were to do that, that would encourage people to have cars. And if we encouraged people mm. to have cars, it would add to global warming. So instead, if we don't have any parking at all, eventually everyone will take mass transit or die trying to get to work. One of the two. Either way, the problem solves itself if we just stay the course and don't actually provide parking. My building where I now work has eh, a couple hundred people that work for it, I think. Okay. We have 44 parking spaces. Oh, no. Oh, God. When I got Why? hired, Derek, they said, we'll put you on the list, but <laughs> just warning you, you're not going to get off the list for waiting for a parking place. Wow. So 75% or more of the people that work in your office uh, have no chance of... I mean, it, it's not even like it's a first-come, first-serve. Like, it is literally that they're assigned parking, and these 44 people get them, and the rest of them are left to fend for themselves? Yep. And, and the wow. building I work in, the closest public parking, the closest public parking is a mile and a half away. Wow. Anywhere else, like, it is a densely built area, and everything else, if you park anywhere on the street, anywhere else, it you Instantly get ticketed towed. and towed instantly. Yeah. <laughs> so the only parking is a mile and a half away from my building. And that's a mile and a half of, like, city walking. So you're not talking about just, like... One long stretch of road that you can, whatever speed you walk at, that's how fast you get there. Like, you got to worry about, you know, traffic and lights and all that kind of stuff. So you still have to walk for, like, what, half an hour or more? Yeah, it's at least a half hour to walk from the parking deck to my building. You want to know how I know this, Derek? <laughs> because you fucking you? did it once or twice. I, I've had to do it, Derek. I've had to do it. Oh. So parking is so terrible around here. You know, I've I've had my 300 for a while. Mm-hmm. And I like my 300 because if I fits, I sits. <laughs> and the Chrysler 300 may be the only vehicle you can get into comfortably. Full stop. So parking parking my 300 downtown is an exercise in A, futility. As I said, I might as well park at home and walk. And B, it is so frustrating that I have on multiple, multiple occasions been like, yeah, let's go do this thing. And then two and a half hours of nonstop cursing later, <laughs> we arrive back at the house and I say, fuck that. We're never oh. doing anything again. I'm going to close the door which, to the house and I'm never leaving. I, I mean, I'm not like, I'm actually fine with that. Like the whole like, let's never leave the house again thing. I think that's fine. That That is a reasonable approach to a lot of things that are going on nowadays. Uh, so like, that's fine. And especially with like, like Postmates and stuff. Oh, baby. I think we've talked about like the, the, the number of... Uh, occurrences that cause Derek to put on pants and go outside. We're trying to keep those two as, as low number as possible. Postmates is making that near zero. I'm not sure how, I'm not sure that's a good thing. Like <laughs> I'm really happy about it. Like my pants are starting to collect dust and that's cool. But like at what cost? It's not even like I don't want to go outside, Derek. I have food delivered very, very often because uh -huh. I can't even go pick the food up, Derek. <laughs> you can't get there. You can't stop near the building that the food is in. I mean, can you prepay and they just like chuck it in your window? Like, If there was a service called Food <laughs> Chuck, I would probably pay for it. <laughs> Okay, I'm writing that down. Hold on. I need a piece of paper. Okay. Food chuck. Okay. <laughs> Curbstuffers.com. Oh, that, that sounds like a much different service, Frank. 
I mean, whatever, whatever you need, that's fine. I'm just saying that doesn't sound like a. I've had food delivered really often just because it's almost impossible to go get the food. I don't want to. I would like to go places, Derek, but I can't go there. And, and the neighborhoods around here are so dense that just moving my car through the areas is almost impossible. Right. The Seattle one way is definitely a thing where mm. it's a street, but then people are parked nose to tail along right. both sides of the street so that yeah, the, the you... whole street's just nuts to butts. It's yep. tightly packed. And around here, for, for some reason, they've decided that a four-way intersection is the devil's work. <laughs> okay. I, what alternative? Like Residential roundabouts, Derek. Oh, tiny, no. <laughs> tiny residential roundabouts. Oh, the, the southern person's most reviled enemies. The, oh. the 300's turning radius is, is not great, Derek. <laughs> There's a couple of areas that I go through on a regular basis that if I'm taking the 300... It's a three-point turn to get to around the corner. I was about to say the roundabout, the yeah. roundabout comes a, a three-point turn. Oh, that's a that's a bad look. So after <laughs> after my blood pressure was raised through rage on a regular basis, we made a decision. We made a Which decision was? to get rid of my car. Mm. Which which that's that's a lot of great sadness. I feel. I feel that legitimately is a, I don't know what you would call it. Like it is some sort of icon that, that is, that is you. I liked my car, Derek. I liked it a lot. Oh fuck, Frank. What did you send me? I Holy shit. I sent you shit. some pictures, Derek. Oh, oh this my God. This is what I've what, done, Derek. What car is this? I what, got a what? new car. <laughs> I got but a new what? car appropriate for the city, Derek. Oh no. Oh, people at home. I it is it is a picture of Frank in a vehicle and and only Frank in a vehicle. Like you take up all of it. What 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 did you It get? is a smart EQ, Derek. <laughs> Why? Frank, of all the vehicles, I can't fit in a smart car. And oh, the hubris, my dear friend. I fits barely. <laughs> And so oh, I sit, Derek, in traffic for an hour and a half each day. I mean, the good thing is you're only burning a thimble of gasoline per day. Oh, I'm is... burning zero thimbles of gasoline, Derek. It's an electric it... car. I'm in the Pacific Northwest now, Derek. <laughs> Derek, I drive a two-seater that runs on batteries. What has happened to you, Frank? You've been gone... For like two months, less than that, and already you, you traded in the, the the Chrysler 300 for a a tiny electric vehicle. For this, Derek. For this. And is that a tachometer? Okay, I'm gonna have to post this to the fucking Twitter. Is that a tachometer or is that a is that the speedometer? What the fuck is that? <laughs> that's my that's my charge level and okay the the usage on the battery. Okay, because I have like, I have some moral qualms with them putting like some sort of tachometer <laughs> on this, on this tiny, tiny excuse of a vehicle. I, more than once I have, I've been like, hmm, and I stopped at a gas station and went, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, wait, wait, do you go by like haughtily, like, and, and side eye the people at the gas station? And and relish in your superiority. Now I do. The other day I was <laughs> I was like, I need to stop to get a drink. Uh-huh. And then I scoffed and said, I'm not gonna associate with the plebeians at the gas station. <laughs> so burning their fossil fuels. Oh, I went to McDonald's. <laughs> Where? Oh, where all the classy people go. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were classing it up. God it's, damn. It's hard to find one out here. This is a foreign country, Derek. This is a weird <laughs> place that I live. It's a place it that drove is. me to buy that monstrous tiny thing. Like, Frank, you can't 
carry people in that. People will have to ride on the top if you if you take anybody anywhere. I can't carry people, but I can carry it. <laughs> so I guess if parking gets real bad, you just kind of like stow it in your backpack. And <laughs> is it a car or is it coveralls? We don't know. <laughs> Oh my god. Just the thought of you like bursting out of this motherfucker like a transformer. <laughs> Just like arms sticking out of both windows, head out of the sunroof. Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't get out of this car, Derek. <laughs> I molt this car. Oh. Like god. a beautiful butterfly on my way to work. And and the way I get to work. And, and it's good that I have this car. I've been at my job for two weeks now. And I would say of the days that I have been at, at work, which are 10, mm -hmm. six of them, I've been like, thank God I have this car and not another car. Uh -huh. Because I have to drive to a park and ride facility. And then I leave what, my what car at the park and ride. And then I get a ride on a bus. Mm. And I take the bus to near my office. Near, not to. <laughs> near. Because I work in a tower at the top of a hill. Oh, no. And the bus this... lets off at the bottom of the hill. <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> because it would take too much you know, fuel or whatever it is to make it up the hill. So human suffering is what will power it. Yes, power human suffering and specifically my own is what power. Well, and the the hill itself is covered in buildings. Like it is just it's all dense dense buildings and and the streets are very small. Like you couldn't get a bus up there because of the curves in the street and how narrow the streets are mm -hmm. because they're not they're like access roads. They're not really streets. So, yeah, I have to park this car in the park and ride. Well, the park and ride is a Mad Max hellscape every day <laughs> of people trying to park because it's not a guarantee. If I get to work late, I don't park. It's like showing up for dinner late at an orphanage. Like, you don't get to eat. You showed up late. Right. You, you and, lost the privilege to eat. So I'm, I'm lucky that many, there's, I would say, a quarter of the spaces in the park and ride are reserved for compact cars. <laughs> uh-huh. Which is fine. But as the morning grows later, towards 8.30 and 9 a.m., people will park their fucking tundra in the compact <laughs> car space. Just... <laughs> of, of scraping metal to get their fucking it's tundra wedged fucking in concrete. there. Yeah. Oh. So and and I've been in a couple of situations where it's like, all right, there is nothing left to park in in this parking deck except for compact. Booyah! I've I've got my car parked. Or I showed up a little late one day, like I got caught up, and there were no parking spaces left. But luckily for me, someone had parked like an absolute asshole. On the regular parking spaces area mm -hmm. and had taken up one and a half spaces. <laughs> leaving leaving one half of a space. Leaving one Franklin. half of a space to which I said, all right, I can do this because I drive a meep meep car. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, this This does sound like a terrible adventure. And I'm sorry that you have to go through it. I am concerned that, you know, if, if I if I come to visit you and you ask, you know, do you want to ride down to X or Y, uh, I will forget that you have this car and I will have to ride on the top or like or you'll have some sort of like bike rack. We're going to snuggle. <laughs> it's a snuggly ride. I mean, I'm not I'm not above that, but. I'm just saying. We get to be real good friends. Hey, it, I, you said we couldn't be friends that hug, and we have to be friends that hug <laughs> if we drive together in my car. 
So, so in one way or another, the Pacific Northwest is turning in, turning you into into me, the the hugger, the closeness, looks out for the for the environment, loves people. It's, it's true, Derek. I don't know. You want to get to a question from the audience? Sure. Hit me. If one is applying to two positions within the same department at a company with virtually identical requirements. Would one need to send two separate cover letters and resumes or just include both positions in one cover letter with one resume from Duplicates in Delaware? I figured I'd give us a softball, like an easy one that's, that's an actual question that people have so that we could answer it sensibly, like uh -huh. two adults with a podcast about business questions. Okay, well, I gotta put my... Got to put, put my actual business hat on. Hold on. The first thing that you need to do is you're going to have to get a replacement social security card for someone that you have found that died at an early age in your local graveyard. I mean, I always have two or three spare anyway, but, but why? Like, why would we need it in this case? Because obviously we need a second identity, Derek. We have to have an entire second persona built up from the ground so that we can apply to both of these jobs. So you're, you're saying not only can they not use, you know, the same cover letter and, and whatnot for both positions, they literally need to, to be two separate people. Yes. Okay. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. I mean, I, I think that it's, uh, it's not a matter of like practicality. Like practicality says, like yes, you apply to both positions. You shotgun that shit into every position in the company until somebody calls you back. Like that—that that, that is the most practical approach to applying for those positions. But uh, like being being in the professional world, I know that if like if somebody the, the recruiter opens their email and sees, oh. Every single position has been applied for by Joe Schmo. Maybe they're a little too desperate. So, like, I get it. <laughs> we're not looking for the practical answer, Derek. We're looking for the right answer. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, okay, okay. So, well, so the only thing I'm afraid of is that if we answer it this way, then there's nothing left to goof about. Like, a, oh, oh, <laughs> maybe there is. What if both of them get hired? You're with me, Derek. I'm glad that we could take this journey together, Derek. Because that is, of course, the best situation to have happen. Is that both of you get the job. All right. So now, bo both ourselves and our alter ego have, have been hired to the job. Frank Eastman and Hank Westman. I mean, I would have picked names that were slightly more like, like out there. Cause I mean, look, you know, you were given the name Frank Eastman. I mean, maybe now is the time to, to like actually get the name you really wanted. Like mm, Maximilian Hardbody. <laughs> I was going to say like, uh, like Seth bangs the moms. I mean, large, it's, it's, big, huge. Okay, so so if you, uh, God damn it! Now I'm thinking large, but big, huge. Jesus, it's Christ. pronounced large. Large. I'm Swedish. <laughs> oh, all right. So we we have yourself and the alter ego, and what? So what does the first day look like? Because typically. They always tell you to show up at like eight o'clock in the morning, you know, bright and early. How can you, how, the first moment on the job and you've already got a problem. If my childhood heroes have taught me anything, Derek, it's that all you need is a jacket and a pair of glasses with no lenses in them. I mean, yes, that, that is definitely the, the Clark Kent, uh, disguise tool kit. Um, so I'm, I'm for it, but I'm just saying like, like walk me through this. 
So well, you've got to stagger the times out. When they're like, start at okay. 9 a.m., Frank Eastman goes, of course. Lorge McBig Huge says, I, I might be going to, I'm going to run a couple minutes late. I'm operating on Swedish time still. <laughs> I'm not going to be there until 9.10. And so I get to the office and I'm dressed like me. Mm-hmm. And then I check in. I'm like, thanks, everybody. It's great to be here. I'm happy to have met you. Oh, <laughs> I, I shouldn't have drank that extra large coffee at breakfast. I'll be right back. And then I excuse myself to the restroom and uh -huh. I throw on my jacket and I throw on my stylish glasses and I come in and I say, hi, I'm Lorge McBighuge here to start my first day at the office. So, okay. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I'm seeing this playing out. Like, this is like, this is truly sitcom level of, of uh, social engineering. And I think it can, I think it can work. Like the, and you know me, Frank, I'm a worrier. Like <laughs> I'm getting anxiety just thinking about like, <laughs> like having to, to keep that balance of like, oh, well, I've been gone for 10 minutes. You know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, Lorge McBig huge and I'm supposed to be Frank Eastman again. Well, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm playing your role. Um, I, I'm getting so much anxiety already just from this, but the the only thing that I think could give you proper cover is if you have complimentary, you need to have a medical condition that each of them can say is, mm. is taking you away. And, you know, I mean, f irritable bowel syndrome is, is a good one. Yeah. That's always no, we've both got IBS and then everybody will be like, Frank, you should meet Lord McBighuge. <laughs> He is also very tall and has IBS. It's it's kind of scary how similar you guys are. I bet you'd you'd hit it off right away. Sure. And then they they set up the meeting for for the two of you and only one of you shows up. So so you can't you can't foster that kind of camaraderie. Like you have to have like you said complementary uh ailments where, you know, they they won't conflict because like you said but next thing you know, like you're getting invited, like both of you are getting invited to like some IBS support group. You you don't need that kind of heat. Like one of you has IBS. The other has what? Like what's another funny one? IBS isn't funny, Derek. It causes <laughs> untold suffering for millions upon millions of Americans. This is true. This is. I did not mean to make light. Obviously, of... the only thing that Lorge McBighuge can have is wildly uncontrolled diabetes. And that's funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, okay. 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 So, so I think we we have an opportunity here. We're, we've already set up, you know, Lorge McBighuge as a a Scandinavian of Scandinavian descent. So we need to come up with some sort of uh, Scandinavian disease that is is hard to Google because how are you gonna how are you gonna Google something that has those weird like those weird O's and weird A's? Like whatever oh. you say, it's gonna be safe from the Googling. So I don't think enough people know what Ludafisk is to like you could probably just say I have a I have a chronic case of Ludafisk and most people would be fooled, I believe. What's that, uh, Sturstroming mm. or whatever it was? Yeah, that's it. That's it. All right. So I think what we've got to do, what we've got to, we've just got to say is I have Sturstroming. And then and if so, there's anybody that knows what it is, they just think it's a threat. I was about to say. <laughs> Thank God he's so polite he keeps leaving to eat <laughs> Surstroming. I mean, it, it would make them a little bit concerned that you need, essentially you need your dose of Surstroming every 20 minutes, essentially. So that might leave some concern, but uh, but they would understand. Okay, so it's okay. So we, we talked about we talked about how to how to execute this. And I think you've come up with a pretty good plan. So uh my question is, 
So did, did, will both of them have to meet the deadlines and fulfill the roles properly? Or are we relying on their disabilities to, to offset the workload? I mean, I think, I think you've got to produce for both of them. The key is to make sure that you get a job that doesn't expect much from you. Like, I don't think this works well if you're, say, a fireman or a doctor. Those things, those things are not great. If you're right. something completely useless, like a software developer, I think you could probably pull it off. I would say project manager, but those people, without them, the whole world grinds to a halt. <laughs> Something about that sounds self-serving, but I can't put my finger on it. Okay, so so I'm for it. So so one thing you could do is if your if your role has, um, let's say if it's a team-based role, if like your uh, the the job that you normally do relies on other people to do different parts of it, like you could essentially get both of your you know both of your personalities jobs uh, along that chain and you could kind of deflect for quite a while of like well you know you know i frank eastman uh, have handed it off to uh to lord mcbig huge who's uh, and, a qa and, engineer right right and all and then, the notes in the code are just my god frank's code is beautiful it's i've never seen anything better there's never an error so that, I mean, that would keep things moving along, but then like there wouldn't be a reason to, to, to say that nothing was getting done. That, that's what I'm concerned about. We need to set up a cycle, a never ending loop to where one, like one issue can, can be cycled back and forth between Frank Eastman and Lorge McBig huge to where nobody ever has to do anything. Do you see where I'm going here? Oh, I like, see. All right. I think I see what you're, what you're saying. Then. Yeah, this is this is a thing where yeah, software developer and QA is not going to work. I mean, yeah. this is definitely like VP and product management. There we go. <laughs> I just all they have to do is is pass those those features or um spreadsheets. I don't really know what VPs do. They don't they don't normally let me in the room whenever they're talking. This, these requirements need to be worked on. He's been working on the requirements. We need to get them checked off by the VP. I think these need to be worked on a little bit more. All right, we've been working on these requirements. We better get them checked <laughs> off by the VP. I have it on good authority that you can do that and not actually deliver any software for a good 18 months. <laughs> we've we've both seen it multiple times. So, I mean, the... And I don't want to belabor this. I think we've already, I think this question has been asked and answered, but I will point out the fact that you're assuming that, you know, Lorge McBid huge, uh, could land the VP spot. <laughs> they don't normally put out, like, <laughs> go to our career page and apply for the VP spot. Typically. Ah, uh, no. You, yeah. Usually <laughs> when they're, when they're like hiring for it, it's a director level position. Right. I, I still think it works for the director. Want to get to uh, an issue from the internet, Derek? Yes, let us let us do that. All right, this issue is entitled Coworkers Talking on Cell Phones in the Bathroom by Serotonin. I work on a floor with approximately 120 people sharing one set of bathrooms, one men's and one women's with approximately six dolls each. There are a couple of people on the floor who feel absolutely no compunction about bringing their cell phones into the bathroom with them while they talk loudly uh, to unknown third parties. Today, we reached a new low in social etiquette when someone walked in and proceeded to change the call to speakerphone <laughs> while doing their business. I sat in the next stall with absolutely no clue how to deal with the situation. I'd like to be able to use the toilets in peace and know that my potentially embarrassing sounds will stay as private as possible. How do I address this? I don't know who who all the people are who do this, but phone calls in the bathroom definitely happen on a regular basis. I mean, how you handle this, Derek, is the moment they put it on speakerphone, <laughs> you go... <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, you're 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 hitting the nail on the head here because this person is worried about embarrassing themselves. No, 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 honey. Like you are there to be the most embarrassing thing in the building when that when somebody commits a toilet crime of, of this magnitude. Like you you make them I want their grandparents, not, I mean, maybe they are talking to their grandparents and their grandparents would feel shame for what they're doing. But like, if they're not talking to their grandparents, even their grandparents should feel the amount of embarrassment that you are, that you are causing them because of your loud and noisy Foley. Maybe they don't necessarily feel the shame for the noises that you're making. At which point you have to put on a radio play. It's a play in one act <laughs> entitled Oh my god, what's that smell? <laughs> Where you're just in the next stall over going Can, can I get a courtesy flush or so Oh my Oh my god Are you are you okay? That is unholy. <laughs> I'm laughing at two things here. One, like this, you know, doing this in the restroom would certainly uh, be hopefully a way to to cause them some some level of embarrassment. Second, I'm I'm envisioning this as your your one man monologue play. Like <laughs> like this is what this is what you start your your live performance career with <laughs> the one man show called what's that smell? Yeah, that's it's uh it's an off, <laughs> off, off, off Broadway production. <laughs> uh, but, but no, I, I think you're right. I think if, if, you know, they don't have the, what, whatever social awareness to be embarrassed by doing what they're doing. Uh, if they are not embarrassed by your sounds, then yes, the, the third level is hopefully making them embarrassed by your perception. Your re you receiving their smells is causing you discomfort. <laughs> so so one thing I wanted to point out here. So there, there's there's something that I that that kind of spoke to me about this. <laughs> this is sounding really strange. Um, <laughs> so so one thing that I looked up while I was uh, reading this for the first time is. Their use of the word compunction. So uh, there, I'll, I'll read the sentence again. There are a couple of people on the floor who feel absolutely no compunction about bringing their cell phones into the bathroom with them while they loudly talk to unknown third parties. I had to Google that. This is <laughs> this is the first time that anything in preparation for the podcast has been a learning experience. I'm proud of you for admitting this, Derek. So, okay, before I read the description, what do you know what compunction means? Did I catch up? Shame, no? hesitation. Yes, it is. It is a compunction, a feeling of guilt or moral scruple that prevents or follows the doing of something bad. So the word compunction is basically somebody feeling, you know, shameful or or guilty about the uh, the horrible thing they have just done. Me so, every time I'm paying for the bill at a buffet. Yeah. Especially the ones where they like list out all the things that you that you got while you were there. Um, once they have to change the, the the printer paper a couple of times, you start getting a little bit a little bit uncomfortable. Um, so so the reason I point out compunction is that like I was thinking I I know that I am not a, I am not a wordsmith. I am not a man of great and many words. Um, my vocabulary is fine, but I wouldn't call it like super refined. So I looked up uh, when this word was all the rage, and let me know. Let me tell you, buddy, uh, about eighteen thirty-five. That was that shit was going off like gangbusters. Like, <laughs> like the usage of the word compunction was was highest in like eighteen thirty-five. Ah, so this person not only has an issue with people talking on the telephone in the restroom, they're a time traveler. <laughs> they that that is the only reasonable response here. 
like it's not that they are actually like embarrassed about this. Cell phones to them are unholy technology. Like they've never known about about cell phones. Like they don't know what cell phones are. Like whenever they get bring them into the uh, the bathroom, they're appalled at this wizard technology. This this little devil box. Sir, do you have someone else in the restroom with you? Are you sharing a commode? <laughs> These are single occupancy stalls. I I would have you know. I mean, accusing someone of witchcraft and starting a trial about it, it is a fairly good response to this level of toilet crime. I, like... Whether it is the witchcraft of a cell phone or the witchcraft of doing this at all because they're a monster. <laughs> Want to get to another audience question, Derek? I think we must. BBs. I'm looking to supplement my income by becoming a phone sex operator. Can you help me prepare for success with your business expertise? From Sultry in San Bernardino. How did you know about my other job, Frank? What are you wearing, Derek? <laughs> I mean, you, you do you really think like I've got this like relatively expensive microphone. Like you don't think I only use it for the podcast, right? It's got to pay it's got to pay the bill somehow. So, I feel a little attacked. What's your what's your uh sex phone operator nom de gear? I would say nom de plume, but <laughs> 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 Ooh. <laughs> I'm trying to think of it. All I can think of is Lord McBig huge now. You have <laughs> fucked me up so Not bad. Mine. That's mine. That's I, my that's my sex I know, phone operator. I know, named but it's Derek. so good. It's so good. Oh God. <laughs> I want you to put this in the podcast in its entirety so you can tell how long I sat here and thought of a name. <laughs> God damn it. Chubbs uh, McGiggle Boy, I no, that that's for my other job. My other other job. Your Chippendale dancer job. I I honestly I've got nothing. Like, <laughs> see, I I wanted to play along and and pretend that I that I was a phone sex operator. If it wasn't clear that that was my intent, uh, but I I honestly, <laughs> I mean, I do a lot of shit with the name Derek Lewis. So, like, let's just go ahead and say my phone sex operator name would just be Derek Lewis. Let's just. All right. I was hoping to get connected to Clark McRockhard, but. <laughs> so what are you wearing, Derek? A, that's unimportant. And B, I don't want to I don't want to let the cat out of the bag of my typical podcasting uniform. So you're not so... giving us any of the spice, Derek. Who's going to pay for this? I'm not going to pay for this for certain. <laughs> You've got to weave I mean, me a word tapestry, Derek. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right, start again, start again, start again. I got it this time. All right. What are you wearing, Derek? I'm wearing a suit, and I have a, I have a tie, and it's a little, a little too tight right now. Should I? Can I? Should something be done about that? Can I loosen your tie, Derek? I I think that'd be fine. Oh God, my boss is coming. Oh God, I've been fired. My God. I broke I break the rules of of wardrobe that's for 10 seconds. Uh that's money right there Derek. That was <laughs> that's, How that's did you know fetish. that's what I call? That's what I call for. <laughs> I I had a feeling that's what it would be. So okay. I've never intentionally called a sex hotline before. I have unintentionally called a sex hotline before. And true Don't. story, back when back when I used to work for Circuit City, uh, we had a, a tech support number whenever you would buy uh, a protection plan from Circuit City. Uh, and I, I forget what the actual number was, but it was a 1866 number. And uh, we found out in some fairly uh, interesting ways that the 1-800 number version of that was actually a a gay sex hotline. And so uh, one of our new people, 
uh, that were, you know, selling a computer, selling a protection plan, all that kind of stuff. They were they were selling it to this uh, this elderly lady. And so uh, they they write down the number, they send her off. And a couple months later, she comes back and uh, she looks a little frazzled like she she has uh, experienced something. And so she's like, I, I, I bought this computer and this protection plan. But the number you wrote down, it's that's not the type of help that I was looking for. Like, so we sure enough, we dial it and it's hello, big boy. Are you looking for are you looking for something rough and hard? It's like, well, I mean, I, I guess computers can be fairly hard tactile wise, but like, but no, it's uh that that occurred a couple of times over the the three or four years that I was there. And every time it was somebody like it was like a church marm or or somebody that uh, that did not want to call it. But I I do feel that that mistake did help somebody find themselves, which I think it helped someone find themselves. And also somewhere there was a phone sex operator who had a really lucrative side gig helping people. <laughs> Navigate Windows 2000. <laughs> You're going to want to grab firmly the mouse and move over to click on settings. And now, now jiggle it. Not, not too hard. Just, just enough. That, uh... You know, I that might actually be cheaper than some of the protection plans we sold at Circuit City. <laughs> like two ninety nine a minute, that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> Want to get to an issue from the internet, Derek? Yeah, yeah. I I'd like that a lot, to be honest. I we mean, can put I'm this a, all behind us, Derek. I'm not a I'm not a prude by by any stretch of the imagination. Like I'm not trying to yuck anybody's yum. I'm just saying, like this is not the kind of show I I wish to produce. Like, <laughs> I mean, if if this is somebody something, you know, that's that's cool. But like, I think I think we need to know that. I think somebody needs to to inform us. Uh, that that we are somebody's fetish, therefore we can monetize it. I think that's important. It's it's our <laughs> spinoff program, tech support with the Dirty Boys. You know, at at first I was like, "Ha, that's funny." Second, I was like, "I can get back into tech support. <laughs> That'd be fine." <laughs> Two ninety nine a minute. I could. <laughs> Shit. I could do this. I, mean, <laughs> I do a lot of stuff for three dollars a minute. <laughs> All right, this is. Oh, I'm a professional. I I could read this. All right. This issue is entitled. I have a hyper empathetic colleague that I do not get along with that sits across from me. How do I improve the situation by anonymous? We're going to call them. Chris. (laughs) Sure. It's short Uh. for. Chris Rock Abs. Chris RA says, I have a calling, I have a colleague who is extremely empathetic and can always tell what I'm feeling, why I'm feeling it, and can predict what I may want him to do. Oh boy, this is real weird after the last one. <laughs> Start a theme we, here, Derek. I don't like it. Right. This is this is not what I intended. Anyway. Uh, and can predict what I may want him to do. He often takes various actions on my behalf or pr- predicts what I'm about to ask him or comments on my mood. And this bothers me quite a bit because it feels very invasive to have someone know so much about me without me consciously volunteering the information. In addition, this coworker is very social and often constantly, often slash constantly, socializes with people around me, but never with me which makes me feel like I'm being excluded. I don't want to have to think about work as a social environment. I'm used to working in a professional environment where work is about work and people do not socialize. I wish he would either not socialize with coworkers or include me in the conversations when he does, uh, preferably the former. 
I used to try to be accepting of his differences, but if I'm in a bad mood, I get very angry at him doing this because it bothers me, and he can tell. I'm pretty sure he thinks I hate him or something. I do not. I just have a bad response to how he interacts with me when I am in a bad mood. How can I improve the situation with my coworker? So a couple problems here. Mm. So first of all, the other guy is clearly too empathetic. Like he he knows what what Chris Chris RA is feeling. And that that disturbs him. But the reason it disturbs him is because I'm thinking there may be there may be a little bit of a connection that he wants that he's not getting from from this person. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, if if this person was really that empathetic, then wouldn't they know that excluding you from the social stuff upsets you? If they were that empathetic, I'm wondering if this person isn't just a very obvious asshole <laughs> and is being ostracized I, for their I constant think... anger issues. It's not that it's not that this person is an empath, it's just that you're just very obviously an ass. <laughs> I think I I think that is that is probably the clear answer here. Uh, I mean, it's. I I think if somebody is so like, anti, I don't want people talking around me or like, work is for work. Uh, social you know social engagements are for socializing type of stuff. Uh, I think there are there's a very, uh, easy to follow recipe for how to to annoy them or, or to get on their to get on their nerves. So, I think they're just they're just playing by by that playbook on this case. Um, this this person seems to have a preternatural connection. And I'm realizing what's happened, Derek. I'm realizing what's happened is that this coworker is actually them from the future. <laughs> In the future, they realize that they regretted not actually forming any human connections with any of the people they worked with when the technology became available for them to have time travel. They went back in time. They went back in time to have those human connections to enjoy things going on in the office. And they know what their past self was thinking. And so they can predict what their past self is going to do because it's what they would have done you know, in the past, and they're avoiding them to prevent a time paradox. So, like, there, there's multiple levels to what you're saying. Like, I, I, I think you're right. I think that is the clear answer here. It's the like, simplest and most straightforward answer. Nothing could be more, more straightforward than this. So, so we'll, we'll assume that this is correct. So my, my only concern with this is you know let's think let's see if you know you in, you know in the next you know 10 years once we finally get time travel decide to come back to your uh to your previous self and and fix things um <laughs> uh i mean mine wouldn't necessarily be like getting me to socialize more mine would be more like i don't know following me and like smacking cheeseburgers out of my hand like <laughs> That's probably the most useful thing somebody my, my future self could do. If your main goal is to like have socialized back, you know, in your younger years, that's that's fine. Um, future you knows that the apocalypse is coming, and only people who have eaten a lot of cheeseburgers will survive. So you're trying to get in that human connection, but also you don't want yourself to lose weight and die in the plague. <laughs> right, right. The 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 hard techni techno winter that's coming. Uh, is it's gonna be rough, and you need need all the extra pounds you can get. So, so, so my problem with with your with your premise is that this person remembers what they what they would have thought or what they were thinking and all kind of stuff. Um, I don't remember what I thought like two or three days ago. <laughs> like if I went back three days ago and you know with with all my current memories and said you know, fix the, the dumb shit you did, I would have been like, you're going to have to catch me up. <laughs> like, three days was a long time ago. 
I'm just saying it seems unrealistic. Do other people have better memories than I do for this? Like, I know I remember specific dumb shit that I did, but like, I feel, I feel like I don't know all the things that I would think. I have social anxiety, Derek. I remember in startling and crushing detail every single terrible social encounter that I've ever had. <laughs> Especially ones that involve bathrooms, like you. I said something stupid kept. once when I was six. <laughs> now, that, that I, those things I, I do remember. So I could probably go back and fix a couple of those. But, uh, Okay, so so if it's not if it's not time travel, do you think it could be could it be ESP? Is this person uh reading, you know, reading Chris RA's mind and uh I, I don't know to what end? Like I feel it's a waste of skill with whatever they're doing. I assume they're they're not they're not doing something important uh with whatever job they're doing. So like it seems to be a petty mind reader. Unless they're here specifically to keep an eye on Chris, but not to interfere. <laughs> because they are both from the future and a mind reader. Exactly. They're from the future <laughs> and a telepath. They have to make sure that the things that happened happen as they were supposed to happen. Because if one thing goes badly, if Chris makes a single friend... <laughs> it, the future see, that that makes so much sense now because my concern of like not being able to remember what i was doing that that is completely solved by by them having esp so like that's actually what it is like they are a time traveler with esp that is coming back and this socially inept tool <laughs> is the key is the key to to saving humankind. <laughs> it's a I, hard job, but somebody has to do it, Derek. And I've we're we're all so busy. <laughs> I've worked my way through it. <laughs> oh, all right. You want to punch a clock? Yeah, let's punch a clock. All right. Before we go, please, please send us your questions. <laughs> please, no more. No more questions about sex phone lines. I feel like we had a weird time here today. <laughs> like, I, I'm not saying we had a bad time. I'm just saying when I sat down to the chair, that's, that's not the time I thought we were going to have. I'm loosening my tie, Derek. <laughs> please. Before, Slowly. Before Frank gets his tie untied, please send us questions so that we can... That we can make the funnies. The funnies don't happen until you send your questions. You might argue that they don't happen even when you send in your questions. That's that's because you need to send in even more questions. I can feel the silk sliding between my fingers. <laughs> you can send them to questions at WLICast.com. If you want to help support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash WLICast. Uh, and become a patron so that Frank doesn't have to perform. I'm as... unbuttoning the buttons. <laughs> Only you can prevent this from continuing. Of my crisp <laughs> white Oxford shirt. You need to go to patreon.com forward slash WICast and become, give us money so that, so that we don't have to do this. Uh, also check out our website at WLICast.com. Find links to social media and our merch store. And I promise not a single, not a single bit of the performance that Frank is doing right now. Will I'm be found sliding out. the suspenders off my strong, muscular shoulders. Not a bit. Uh, and there is nothing better for growing our audience than word of mouth. <laughs> so that means if you like the show and this has not repulsed you <laughs> to, to the point in which you shut if you're still here, if you're still listening, please find someone else that, that thinks like you do and tell them about the show. I'm undoing Warn my them. dress pants, but they're dress pants, so it's going to take another <laughs> half hour or so because there's like six different types of closure. <laughs> so there's plenty of time for us to to exit before this gets weird-er, weirder. So tell 
<laughs> tell them about us, please. Don't tell them this. Like, <laughs> tell them the other stuff that we've done. That's that's fine. This has been the Work Life Imbalance Podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. I am wildly uncomfortable. <laughs> and with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you. Do not transfer me to the sex phone department. <laughs> That is not where I have, co- I have complaints. See, we were oh. on the phone sex department, Derek, but now we're to the sex phone department, and it's a wild ride, man, because some of those cell phones get up to some really <laughs> weird things. <laughs>